This is Randy from Mexico, and I never listened to Lo Dudo Condolamor. That Jesse D, he's one bad hombre. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, thank you for joining us. Welcome to this 286th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, sitting across from me. The lady who always sits across from me, <laughs> my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. You've got to start up in your game here, sir. Well, I'm dedicating so much energy to the rest of the production of the show. Uh-huh. It's hard. It's hard to think of, of good things to so, say about you. everybody listen, okay? <laughs> we are real tired, real tired today. Well, you more than me, but yeah, I am tired. We're real tired. I have been spending full work days on my thesis. It is. It's a little out of fucking control at this point. In addition to the other things that I have to do. Yesterday, Saturday, you spent eight to ten hours sitting in one spot doing thesis shit. Yeah. Well, I'm against a deadline now. So, and I don't want to talk about what that deadline is because I don't need people harassing me about whether or not I met it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I am trying to get things done right now. So wish me luck, everybody. Well, you're taking care of biz. You are, you're getting it done. Mm -hmm. It is, I I can say this, if I ever thought about going and getting a master's degree, nope, (laughs) just the arduous task (laughs) That you've been dealing with over the course of the last few months. Mm-hmm. No, goddamn. What well, you spent hundreds of hours already on my thesis alone. Just in the thesis, you've spent that, and that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. No good. <laughs> that's adult shit. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's not a lot of fun. No. I mean, it's fun sometimes, but speaking of adult shit. Yeah. What is it? Brittany and I we went out to pho the other night. The uh... delicious. Vietnamese soup. I know this. And uh, I don't know. This is, I guess, just another chapter in who the fuck are these people <laughs> that I'm always I'm always weirded out by goddamn people. Yeah. I'm, I'm being, trying to be very okay. magnanimous here. I'll help you. I'll tell the story. Uh, so a couple sits next to us. And of course, they're same siders. They're fucking same siding, first of all. They're same siding it. So Brittany and I are we sitting... We haven't talked about that for a while. Brittany and I are sitting across from one another like a normal goddamn couple. <laughs> and this couple sits right next to us at the table. And they're, they're in... It's one of those deals where one of one of you is sitting in the booth type of chair and the other one's in a chair. So yes. it's like a, the, the, the tables are up against the wall. Yeah. They both slide in behind and sit on the booth side of the chair together on the same side. Same side. And we haven't talked about that for a long time, but that is one of Jesse's pet peeves, same siders. It just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to have a conversation, you want to be facing one another. You're not craning your neck to look. Yeah. (laughs) So she... I mean, what what are they, high schoolers? You don't need the same side. It's like in high school when you're sitting next to your partner in the car or in the truck, like when I grew up in northern Idaho, 
and you sit right next to the person when there's a whole giant bench seat right. to utilize. So the couple was male-female, and the waiter comes over and starts taking their order, and she's ordering for him, basically, and says... Well, he, he was a Frenchie. So he, he had like a, a very thick French accent. Oh, okay. So she was ordering for him for that reason. Maybe that was the reason. But I think it's also because he might have been too embarrassed to say what she said, oh. which is he doesn't eat vegetables. Yeah, they were asking, do you want the cilantro and the onions in there? And that's what she said. He doesn't eat vegetables. Now, remember, this is a grown human man that she's talking about. Yeah, he's not six. Doesn't eat vegetables. And I've known people like this. Listen, even dogs eat grass. Even dogs will eat a, vet, a non-meat product. What does this even mean? I don't eat vegetables. It's very strange. It's very strange. Ugh, broccoli tastes gross. You're a man. <laughs> eat your vegetables. Well, also, it doesn't taste gross. It's delicious. Of course. It's a tasty, tasty snack. Well, I, I look, I'll wrap up the story, but we, we had to get out of there real quick because I was getting ready to slap <laughs> him silly. No, no. <laughs> no, but, but I have known people like this where they say either they don't eat vegetables or they only eat certain types of vegetables, like very few, maybe three vegetables. Right. And I think it comes from just not being told when you're younger, you're going to eat this. No, Diet you're going to eat this. Eat it right now. Dietarily, though. Is that a word? Dietarily? Sounds y good. It hereby is a word, everybody. <laughs> Lexicographer, Jesse Dollimore. Perfect. I don't think lexicographers create words, though. I'm extra, extra lex lexicography-ish. Uh, okay, it's enough. I'm making up words all over the place. <laughs> so, uh, how... Listen... What kind of, of, of dietary condition, nutritional condition, is that guy's body in? Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, we're lucky he wasn't ready to pass out from fucking scurvy <laughs> at, the, at the Vietnamese restaurant table. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's not getting everything he needs if he's avoiding all vegetables. Well, if he doesn't eat vegetables, there's probably a good chance he doesn't eat fruit. <laughs> probably. Well, fruit is sweet. Maybe it's that. Yeah, that's Vegetables true, I guess. Vegetables aren't all sweety sweet. They have a bitter, delicious... Come on. But I mean, if, come you're, on. if you're not in the produce section getting vegetables, I mean, how likely is it that he's going to pick up his daily serving of fruit while he's at the store? I just don't get it. Look, when I was a kid, I, I had an aversion to... to uh, zucchini was one I didn't like. Me too. I think I've told a story on the show about being at Thanksgiving dinner when I was a kid and not being allowed to get up until I ate my fucking pickled beets. Mm -hmm. And I was remember gagging, gagging, trying to swallow these fucking cold, just disgusting pickled beets. And I, I've had a problem. I've never eaten pickled beets since. Well, you know what's dumb about kids is they don't realize that they're just putting themselves through more torture by keeping it in their mouth. Yes. Like you, with the pickled beets, just chomp them up and swallow them. Yeah, yeah. Dumb kid. Yeah, dumb. Don't, don't keep them in your mouth whining I'm, about listen, it and Brittany gagging. Page, I'm not much smarter today <laughs> than, I, than I was then. Well, I remember my mom would make 
something with a vegetable in it and I wasn't allowed to leave the table well we would watch tv while we ate we didn't eat around the table so it was like I would sit at the counter and my family was spread out throughout the house so I couldn't leave where I was eating until I was done right and I would just put my head down and act like I was asleep like you just PFO'd right there at the <laughs> yeah at the the bar or whatever yeah and so pretending like I was asleep would get me out of it because then I'd be allowed to go to bed. Your parents are they're pretty wily they're pretty on top of it. I'm a real good actress. No, no, you're not. Very good at acting. <laughs> Strength. All right, listen, we got a lot of voicemails to get to. Uh, before we do though, I want to say this. Uh, I want everybody to go check out the the bonus episode we just released with Professor. Dr. David Pizarro, Dave Pizarro from Very Bad Wizards, one of Brittany and my uh, favorite podcasts. Um, it's awesome. And it was an op- of a very, very good episode where we talked about everything from disgust related to morality to Trump. Anyway, it, it, uh, it was a, a joy for Brittany and I to have him on the show because, one, he's a smart guy that I very much admire and also, you know, it was uh, it, it's nice when you get a guy who's who's got a, a a deep brain pen like he does to come on and make jokes and laugh and have a good time. You know, typically it's oh, very uh, I don't know if that noise indicates or communicates what I'm trying to get across. It communicates something. You know, very uh, Thurston Howell the third. Very oh, like that's too lowbrow for me. And he's not one of those guys. So anyway. <laughs> Why are you over there just... It made a lot of sense. I make a lot of sense a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our first voicemail, because like I said, we do have several. A lot of people this week wanted to sound off, and uh, we're, I'm, I'll just say it in advance. Very sorry about the ones we didn't get to, but it's we had a lot. It's pretty voicemail heavy this week. Hi, friends. It's Daria from Houston. I recently listened to your most recent podcast where you were discussing um, Trump voters. Um, There is a very interesting interview that MSNBC did with Bernie Sanders. I think it was the 13th of March where Bernie Sanders went down to McDowell County, which was, I'm not sure it states then, um, but it was Oh, majorly a Trump county, right? So Bernie Sanders went into this Trump county with MSNBC, and they did an interview where not only MSNBC asked him questions, but also the county residents, and it opened my eyes to why these people voted for Trump. Now, of course, I don't support Trump, but um, what happened was these people rely heavily on coal jobs, like um, they don't necessarily have a full education, and coal jobs give them a lot of money and give them a lot of health care benefits. So when coal went away, um, especially with, like, these new green reforms or whatever, um, they lost those opportunities, and a lot of them, you know, fell to a poverty line, and they had to get secondary jobs that didn't necessarily give them all those benefits. So when Donald Trump made those promises to bring back coal, that seemed so good for them because, you know, they could have their lives back. And and I think it's important to not demonize Trump voters and try to come from a place of understanding instead of a place of contempt. Anyways, uh, love the show. Both of you are totes great. Um, Have a good day, okay? Have a good day, guys. Wow. Well, first of all, a very positive end to the message. Mm -hmm. Have a good day, you guys. Thank you, Daria, very much. And also, 
I don't know that I've ever been referred to as totes great in a serious manner. Well, she means it. You break out the totes once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but usually kind of jesty. Yeah. Well, I made fun of Trump because he, when his taxes That's were right. leaked in, his, in the official White House statement, it said that it was totally illegal. That's right. And I said that pretty soon he's going to be saying totes in his official statements. I, I Listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed. To Daria's point, though, um, it kind of goes to what we were talking about last episode about giving Trump voters who are going to give them space, give them a welcoming, a welcoming space to come back to rationality. You know what I mean? You, you've been on this, and I'm kind of adopting it because really it's the only way that we're going to heal the divide that we have in this country. And I don't mean the divide between, you know, Trump himself and his policies in the rest of the country, but it's going to heal the divide between us and them. You know, the, the, the 65 plus million who voted not for Donald Trump in Hillary Clinton and the 62 and change that voted for Donald Trump. There has to be a healing divide between the majority of those two groups. And we have to create that welcoming space. So uh, I agree with her. It's uh, it is tough. It's listen. <laughs> I'm the guy who it's. I don't want to say it's the toughest for me. Nobody has it worse than me. Everybody, <laughs> believe me, believe me. But uh, it has certainly been tough, and I'm coming around very slowly. Brittany, with her help, I am. You know, I am coming around. So we appreciate it very much. Next up, a voicemail. All the way from Korea. Hello, uh, my name is Yuri from South Korea. Uh, I've been listening to the show for almost two years, and I'm a huge fan of the show. The reason I'm calling is I wanted to share uh, great news that occurred last week in South Korea. And some of you might already know that the president of my country, well, now it's the former president, Park was finally impeached. Um, the Constitutional Court upheld Park's impeachment. The decision was unanimous with all eight judges uh, voting to remove Park from office. Most of Korean people are really satisfied and happy about the decision. Uh, people think Park betrayed their trust on her. Well, I had no faith on her from the beginning, but many people who voted for her felt that way. Uh, she is accused of getting involved in a huge bribery scandal and letting Che, a family friend who had no official title or experience, edit speeches and secretly make policy decisions. People couldn't put up with her any longer. So we have held mass protests since last October for 20 weeks. Uh, it was no easy, but we did it. Uh, Park is dismissed and she is no longer our president. I think uh, it's a huge victory for South Korean. Uh, this experience gave us so much confidence and made us realize once again we, the people, have power. So I wanted to share this awesome experience with you and other audience. Uh, if we can do it, you guys can do it too. 
I mean, Trump is a horrible human being just like Park. And I think he will be impeachable pretty soon if he keeps doing what he's been doing. So I say do not lose hope. Um, I don't know when he will be impeached, but when that happens, I will celebrate with you uh, with all my heart. Well, that's all I have to say. Uh, I love the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, Jesse and Brittany, you both are the best part. Bye. Yuri. Wow. This was awesome. Well, listen, let me say this. Thank you. And we we're happy for you. Yeah. Because that whole situation over there was a bad deal mm-hmm. with Miss Park, the former president. Yeah. To to kind of break it down real quickly, then I want to talk about how awesome it is to have someone call in from South Korea. Right. Having listened for two years. Yeah, and we had no idea. It's like a sleeper out there, a, a, <laughs> a sleeper listener. Miss um, Park, she... What's interesting about this entire thing, goddamn, I get my thoughts here, is that, well, one, she's 65. She is the former child, the former daughter of, or she's not the former child. She's the child of the former military dictator who was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So she lives now, or did until she got kicked out, of their White House is called the Blue House. And... She lived there as a girl, as a young girl. So it was a weird, like, she comes from this very conservative sect in South Korea. In fact, when she was 22, she was the stand-in first lady to her widowed father. Oh. Because her mom was killed by a North Korean spy who intended to kill her father. Yeah, both her parents were assassinated. Pretty pretty (laughs) fascinating. I don't know, laughable that is. But anyway, so she, she is being, now that she's not president... All of the immunities and the protections that you would have as president don't apply anymore. And there are prosecutors who are champing at the bit to take her down because of these corruption uh, charges that involved like securing, collecting like tens of millions of dollars in bribes from 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 South Korean companies like like Samsung. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, not far removed from what we could see take place relative to a Donald Trump administration going forward. I mean, I think we have enough reason to to get rid of him right now with all the Russia connections and all the bullshit or even the emoluments clause of the Constitution violations. But uh, thank you, Yuri. We, uh, we love you. This is good news that we have someone on that side of the world who's listening and... Uh, you know, I don't go a day involved with producing the show with you, Brittany, that I'm not shocked at how many people who live outside of the United States who are interested right. in American politics. Because I can tell you this, I don't listen to South Korean podcasts about their situation. I don't listen to, like, Jonathan in the UK, who we're going to hear from here. Yeah. I don't. I don't listen to those podcasts because... I guess it's because we got a big enough of a shit show on our hands right now. <laughs> right. Well, I and I do want to say to her, uh, good luck, because the new elections are going to be held within 60 days, I think is the rule. And hopefully they can get someone in there that most people are happy with. Most people are happy to have. Well, you know, I would say this, and then we, we got to move on here, but uh, they face kind of a different situation than the rest of the world or much of the rest of the world. Like in France, there's this lean to the right right now. In Great Britain with Brexit, there's a lean to the right, this kind of a weird xenophobic 
situation where people are afraid of immigration and all that, and they're going the opposite direction. They're going from conservative to more of a liberal, nuanced, um, thoughtful policies politically, especially where it relates to their their closest neighbor, North Korea, mm-hmm. and that fucking maniac, Kim Jong-un. Yeah. I mean, they, they really have a... Look, Trump supporters think they've got it bad and they're all scared about the Mexicans and our south border. They've got Kim Jong-un on their northern border. They do have something to worry about. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that terrifying picture of Rex Tillerson standing with a South Korean soldier and in the window behind them, it's North Korea in that window behind them. And there's a soldier with a camera taking pictures of them. I thought it was Photoshopped. It is creepy. Very creepy. It is very creepy. (laughs) It's a a different situation, man. That's (laughs) imminent danger. Yeah. So good luck with that. Thanks, Yuri, for the call. We we really, really appreciate it. All right. Next up, Robin, Kentucky. Hi, my name is Robin calling from Kentucky. And I just wanted to make this short and sweet. I get really irritated when liberals, Democrats, whatever, I get irritated when they'll have like a Tommy Lauren on like on The View, for instance. And, you know, they just treat her like she's just this great person. I just want somebody to ask her a difficult question or just some follow-ups to the bullshit that she expresses on her weekly videos or whatever. I just want somebody to give her some shit, please. It's, It's super annoying. The same thing with Bill Maher when she was on there. The same thing with Trevor. Just, I mean, am I the only one that feels like this? Is just really irritating. That's all I need. That's all I wanted. Thanks. Bye. Well, I did watch this segment, the whole oh, thing. On The View. I did, yeah. And uh, I felt the same way. I don't think that a lot of those women are used to <laughs> interviewing people like Tommy Lahren, right? It's probably like... Emma Watson talking about the Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, right, right. Joy Behar is usually really political, and they have Sonny Hostin on there, who's an attorney. She, oh, yeah. She's the old CNN lady that I never was a fan of. Yeah, so she's used to being a commentator, at least, yeah, on, yeah. on the news and things. And and she's then, a lawyer. She was a prosecutor and a defense attorney. Yeah, and then there's Jedediah Bila on that show now, too, and she used to be a Fox News talking head. Also a lawyer. Yeah, so those are smart women. I don't know about the other one. There was one I'm leaving out. I, I don't know who she is. Is it Raven or is she on the other show? Uh, they like the talk. M- I think they mix in people, but that's not who the other person oh, was. Okay. I don't know who yeah. she was. So Jedediah Bila is a Republican. So I don't expect her to challenge Tommy Lahren. <laughs> right. But when it comes to Joy. You don't expect much from Jedediah is what Brittany's saying. Well, when it comes to <laughs> to Joy and, and Sonny, you know, when all of your other guests are actors and it's not really hard to interview them i imagine i don't know it probably is hard i'm sorry i'm being a dick no it's not but it's not controversial yeah but when tommy laren says something like i'm pro-choice you should know enough about tommy laren to be able to be like okay but you've talked about baby killers and you have talked about pro-choice people in quotes yeah, in your videos being on your all show. sarcastic and shitty. So where is this coming from, right? Right. And it is weird. And I know they have to do this balancing act where they say, well, they have to 
kind of be nice enough because she's coming on the show, but you have to challenge too. I mean, isn't that a responsibility that you have? Or maybe it's different with a talk no, show. Well, I don't know. Absolutely, because that show makes headlines. They yeah. used to have Rosie on. They, they I don't. I, I guess they they us, usually have Whoopi on. I think maybe she just wasn't there that so day. They do make headlines doing that. Anyway, yeah. let's get to the next call. Listen, Robin, thank you very much. I'm not skipping because Chris, the next call, is actually talking about the exact goddamn thing. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Brittany. Um, this is Chris calling from Minnesota, way up north. Um, I am calling because uh, I had, uh, you know, kind of stumbled onto one of my relatives watching the show. I don't know if you guys hold, uh, heard of it. It's called The View. It's kind of a political show, and, you know, they kind of have these cross kinds of conversations. You know, kind of a, a sort of debate show, I guess you can call, kind of call it in commentary. Well, anyways, uh, I had noticed recently I was watching one of my relatives watch it, and uh, it caught my eye for a moment because apparently Tommy Laren was a guest star on it. So I was expecting, you know, for these, you know, these uh, these people that are talking so much about politics on on cable networks to really ask her some hardball questions, some some things about her hypocrisy, the misleading facts, the the statements that she says, you know, even you know anything to focus in on that. I was expecting that, and when I was watching it, I was really, really underwhelmed and really disappointed that they were softballing her so much. Now, maybe it's a good chance that, you know, I noticed that Whoopi Goldberg wasn't on there, so um, maybe she would have been a little bit more blatant about it and a bit more challenging, but I felt that they would lack that. You know, there was uh, a moment she made a comment about how if Kellyanne Conway was a Democrat, we'd be singing her praises, and I was thinking, no, we would be calling her out for the lying about uh, the wiretapping claims saying that you can be seen through microwaves, making out massacres, and the list goes on and on. So I, I was really disappointed by that. And it kind of, you know, I was talking to one of my friends who we were talking about this normalization of this kind of rhetoric where, you know, people drop their guard and they seem to forget what they're doing in the moment. You know, they're, they're, it's easy to talk about it amongst friends. Once you're face to face with someone, you get scared and you hold back the hard questions instead of challenge it. So I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on it a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Such a friendly set of, of calls today. I know. I love it. Enjoy your day. Have a good day. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Listen, uh, I think we kind of touched on this both when she was on. I don't, I don't know if we specifically talked about it. I know I did videos about it, so sometimes I, <laughs> I mix those two things up. But I know we talked – I spoke about it, whether it be here or on a video. All right. I get that out of the way. I keep repeating my fucking self. Um, when she was on with Trevor Noah, I felt it was kind of the same. He did push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But certainly when she was on with Bill Maher, uh, it was a shit show. No pushback. No questioning her on her troubling, problematic, hateful, vitriol-filled opinions about subjects well apparently that's the new routine on yeah. real time with so, Omar. listen there's yeah for sure with the fucking milo too so i understand that you there's you need there needs to be some congeniality when you invite someone on your show but it's not like she's doing you a fucking favor coming on the view you're absolutely doing tommy laren who's shopping herself for a new job because her contract is up in about six months they're doing her the favor. And they could push back. Not even just a little. Any pushback would be great. Right. Instead of 
dealing with her with kid gloves. And what Chris said I don't agree with is the fact that, well, maybe, you know, it's just because they want to be nice. And these people are not, that's not their job. Their job is to ask some questions, especially if people, look, they've given uh, Bill O'Reilly a harder time. And as stupid as he is, he says way less shitty things than she does on a regular basis. So they are dropping the ball all across the board as far as I'm concerned. Right. And at one point, Joy Behar asked her about her thoughts on the Muslim ban, whether she agreed with it. And she did that whole conservative talking point about how it's not a Muslim ban. Right. And it should have been said, yes, but Donald Trump has called it a Muslim ban. Many, so, many times. I did. mean, there, it's just hard to argue that point. The guy you're supporting said that it was a Muslim ban. And these points are easy to make, right? Yeah, to they just are. insert into the conversation, especially when you're used to doing this on TV. I mean, I, I know it's hard, and we've talked about this. Even when we do our interviews, Jesse, sometimes I'll think back and say, oh, I, I could have said this or I could have For done sure. this, right? It's hard to do it in the moment. But when you're so experienced, like Joy Behar is, I would just expect that that was She's had easier. her own show on CNN. They're not rookies. Right, right. So anyway, and it's not like you got a tough customer in front of you. It's fucking Tommy Laren. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Anyway. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, we agree with you. We agree with Robin. Absolutely. What a mess. All right. Hey, guys, it's Dan from Oceanside. Just wondering if you happen to have seen the uh, clip from the photo op and press conference with Angela Merkel uh, in the whatever the seating room or the blue room, whatever room that is in the White House, where Trump won't shake her hand even when she asks for a handshake. Like, what, what is this childish, like, petulant bullshit he's doing with our, you know, you can make a, a case that outside of the UK, that's our second closest ally, let alone that he's burning bridges with the UK left and right. Um, that That's our greatest ally in the, in the EU. That's one of the world's great financial powers that we're closely tied in with. What the hell is he doing? Like, this is the most... I can't think of something I've seen a president do that was more childish than that uh, in, in the open. I don't care what happens behind closed door and you know how they, they talk about each other. But in public, what, what, is, what is he doing? Just what, what is he doing? This is, you won't say a bad word about Putin, but you won't shake our ally's hand. What is, what is happening? Yeah. Let me, let me say this. What is happening? What is happening? That's what I say. I love this. This reaction we get all the time from our callers. They'll be talking. You know, what is happening? <sighs> <laughs> it's just this ex exasperation. Mm -hmm. the, the exhaustion. Yeah. It, it's. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm simpatico with you. Yeah. Well, let me say we did, we did see the clip. And... I've seen some people defending Trump saying that he didn't hear or maybe he missed or maybe he misunderstood her and that's just not what happened here. So 
every time they do one of these photo ops, what are the acoustics in the room different today? No, it was everything was the same. This is always the way it is. They're always in the same place. They always yell handshake, handshake when they want the handshake. Right. In fact, you can see that someone is talking to Donald Trump because she wants to shake his hand. Right. And he makes this face almost disgusted that it's being asked of him. Yeah. And he starts shaking his head like a whiny baby. And (laughs) that could have been something else real easy. (laughs) And he's just shaking his head. And so she kind of leans back in her chair and like, all right, I guess whatever's happening is happening and we're not going to be shaking hands. In fact, before the handshake, handshake, right? They were asking him questions. Did you have a good meeting? Oh, that's right. And he responded. Did you talk about NATO? We talked about many things, right? What? Say that again. <laughs> what a wonderful Donald Trump impression. Yeah, I know. And so he's just like a little lower Britney Page voice. So he was responding to them. And that was just one person asking the question. When they start saying handshake, handshake, it's multiple people saying handshake, handshake. You can't say he didn't hear unless he has selective deafness. Just, oh, once in a while, the hearing just kind of goes spotty. I don't fucking know. No, he heard. He for sure heard, especially when you watch his mood change. Yeah. When they start asking for the handshake. Right. When she asked him. For the handshake. He shook his head no. What a fucking prick. Why else was he shaking his head no? Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, what Dan said is correct about our allies, our two greatest allies on the face of the goddamn globe, Great Britain and Germany, and he's kicking them in the stomach diplomatically when there's zero need to do so. There's no rift. There's no controversy. There's no conflict. Thanks for the call, Dan. All right. Now, Jonathan from the UK, he also has something to say about the whole deal. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's Jonathan from the UK here. Um, Well, it seems we've gone on to another day and uh, yet another Trump story. And this one's especially disturbing for me at the moment, I'll admit. Um, These accusations that GCHQ were helping President Obama spy on Trump and his campaign. I mean, this to me is just... I suppose everyone has a bit of a breaking point, but I honestly thought I'd reached one with Donald Trump. But, I mean, this is just... You're accusing a key ally and a key partner to your own intelligence services here of colluding against you simply to save ego and avoid admitting that you were wrong and made a mistake. I'm... I mean, just how far is Donald Trump exactly going to go with this? I mean, who else is he going to accuse of something, and what is he going to accuse them of? I mean, how far can this go? And... And in, I mean, not to get too personal or anything, but I mean, I have actually met and known quite a few people like this in my time, people who will never, regardless, admit they were wrong. And these, they, this can go to some rather dark places at times. And to be honest, I'm starting to wonder, you know, what is going to happen when, these, this, when, as is possibly likely, America does confront a crisis of some stage and you turn to Donald Trump for leadership, what are you going to get? What is the world going to get? 
<sighs> there it is. It's, <laughs> it's disturbing. Yeah, it's actually rather disturbing. Mm. And then you have the usual petty behaviours, of course. You've seen the conference, I'm sure, the, uh, the conference with Angela Merkel, just refusing to shake hands, especially what he's said about Germany and about Europe, which, just for the record, I should state, are not full of Muslim terrorists and rapists. <sighs> these idiotic, these petty lies, these... People, people seem to be really, really willing to believe him, despite the fact it's so obvious that he's lying. And that is, that, that is scary. You, you honestly thought we were past this credulity. You really did. Still, that's why shows like yours are important, guys. Anyway, please keep it up. Brittany, still the best part. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. There it is. That same exasperation. See, Jesse could take a few tips from Jonathan. <laughs> See how calm he was in expressing his anger no, and frustration? No, he just fucking wore out. Like <laughs> six months ago, Jonathan sounded just like this. No. And he just he's <laughs> no. wore down to a little nub, and now he's he's all he's all just bummed out. No. So he's uh, I don't even know what to do anymore. Except with a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> When he walks around that wooden floored house or his flat or whatever the fuck they call it over there, what uh, what do you imagine when he's opening up his cabinets and shutting them while he's pacing around talking on the phone, into his phone? Is that what he was doing? That's the only thing I could imagine. Okay. I mean, it's not the only thing I was thinking about while he was talking because I want to address some of the stuff he talked he's about. He's probably getting a drink. Because <laughs> he's so worn out. Some booze. Yeah. Some something. Yeah. <laughs> So listen, he made a great point there. Many great points. Thank you, Jonathan, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Uh, what does happen when Donald Trump gets faced with an actual conflict? When something bad happens in the world and Donald Trump has to face it down as the leader or should be leader of the free world? That should give everybody, not just in this country, but elsewhere in the world, pause. How is he going to handle crisis? What capital of character does he have to deal with something that a man, a thoughtful human being like Barack Obama, or even a not-so-thoughtful human being like George W. Bush, how is he going to handle it? He doesn't measure up to either of those two previous men I just said. He does not measure up. And with Steve Bannon pulling the levers that operate the Trump policy it's it's a scary, scary thing. Anyway, I need a drink now. So <laughs> thanks a lot. I appreciate it, you fuckers. <laughs> uh, listen, we appreciate the calls very much. You guys are the best. If you too would like to sound off, voicemail, email us a voice memo from your smartphone. It's either 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. Moving on. Let's get to a little, uh, some statistical news, some some stats, some data. Well, this is from Gallup, and they do the daily job approval 
tracking. Oh, yeah. This is something we need to cover all the time. Is it really daily? This says Gallup daily, but I don't think this is like a daily thing. That's probably the segment or the the blog post that they do, and then they just talk about whenever they get that data. Because that's a lot. This is 1,500. And by that data, I mean those data. 1,500 (laughs) national adults that they are calling... There's no way that's a daily thing. Yeah. That's just too expensive. It looks like a once a week thing if I'm looking at the dates on the bottom here. So anyway, as of today, Donald Trump's approval rating is the lowest it's ever been at 37%. Wow. Only 37% approve of his performance. Yeah, he's fucking himself right in the ass with a lot of these policies. Again, Bannon pulling the levers. And by the way, just so you guys know... I'm actually, I look like I'm on a Nordic track right now with my hands, like those ski, like cross-country skis, when I do the pull the levers. I just like painting a picture, Brittany Page. I think this is a daily job approval tracker, because as I'm scrolling on here, this they have a, they have a statistic for every day. Wow. <laughs> I'm very confused. Anyway, 58% disapprove. Yeah, that's, 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 to put it in Donald Trump terms... That's tremendous. Now, again, I really hope that he isn't just going to brush this off as fake news because even a Fox News poll conducted earlier this month showed the president's job approval rating had dropped five points. According to that survey, 43% of voters approved of the job that he was doing. So not too far off from the Gallup. That's 43 versus... 37. Right, versus 37. God damn. So Fox News is not fake news. According to him. So he should believe that poll, right? Yeah, they're close, right? Yeah. Very close. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure that he will use this information to change his behavior and adjust the way that he's doing things and really take a moment to reflect, critically evaluate where he is in his job performance. He, he probably <laughs> thinks that those are good numbers. There's a lot of people. He's reaching out to the people who really do approve of his of his uh, performance up to this point. Trump, baby. <laughs> we got some Hillary bitches on here. Come on, baby. Oh, God. Trump. That guy fully approves, fully endorses the, the performance of Donald Trump. No, n- n- no adjudicating whatsoever. So we should make that a regular deal where we just track his approval rating because it, I think it really is going to be a, a, a wonderful barometer of exactly what the pulse of the nation is relative to what he's doing on a daily basis. Because we're going to get into the Obamacare stuff today. I can't push it anymore because it's coming to a head right now. And we need to address it and talk about it. But that might be the nail in his fucking coffin because all these Donald Trump supporters, they have interviewed many. I've seen and read all kinds of accounts of people who are going to get complete, their lives are going to be turned upside down based on the removal of Obamacare that they rely upon, and it's not going to be good for him relative to public opinion. But before we do that... Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward... One podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Lisa. 
Lisa. Yes, the newest Patreon and PayPal supporter. You are awesome. Thank you so much for your beautiful contribution. We very much appreciate it. And it was real beautiful. It is so beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I'm not shitting on your your your. your You're definitely shitting on me. You're definitely shitting on me. How dare you, sir? <laughs> so we we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And exciting things to come. Very exciting things to come. Yeah. We are planning more and more of the bonus episodes. Again, we're taking your suggestions. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Email them to us because we are starting to reach out to people to have them on. Um, Dave Pizarro is just the start of what we want to start doing on a regular, regular basis. So you guys are awesome. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, well, let's get into this uh, wiretap thing. Hopefully, we're putting this thing to bed. And listen, I think it's bullshit. And the only reason we're covering it is because I want to further demonstrate. Not like it needs to be done. Goddamn, we could take six months off, and everything we've done and all the work we've done up to this point would stand on its own to to malign and address the character and the performance of Donald Trump. But this claim about the wiretapping, one, I believe, is going to bite him in the ass. I believe it's going to further drop information relative to the Russia connection on his head. And it was unintended because he's not smart. He doesn't think about things from a strategic uh, vantage point. There is a guy out there. His name is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Yes, he's a talking head. He's often on with Shep Smith. That's right. He's a popular in the libertarian community. That is exactly right. I was going to say that because he's a guy that I have in the past admired. Well, he's a very smart guy. Yes, absolutely. So this recent Not a dummy. This recent news about him is very shocking. He one, he was also I want to just say this to to I guess preemptively bolster our points that he's kind of a fucking cuckoo clock now. But he went on with Alex Jones and talked about all kinds of conspiracy theories and how he thinks in 20 years they will be looking at those just like we look at the JFK thing, almost giving credence to and authority and, and legitimacy to the conspiracy theories about JFK's assassination. So anyway, he's, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's kind of turning into a mook as far as Jesse D is concerned. <laughs> So he went on, he was on a segment on, no shocker, Fox News. I guess that's, that's his paycheck. Sure, it was Fox News. Yeah. But he's on with that fucking meathead. And say meathead, it's almost a, not really a descriptor. He's on with that, he's like a, he's like a dumb child. Brian Kilmeade. Okay, I was trying to figure out who you were talking about. Listen, I used to, I used to just think that the, the Saturday Night Live they have Bobby Moynihan play Brian Kilmeade uh-huh. as this kind of just nitwit. Yeah. And I never really, I, I was like, ah, I don't think that really suits him. But it suits him, Brittany. Mm-hmm. It, for sure, he's not a smart guy. He's also the one where these clips are making the rounds where he's making racist statements. Asking uh, Harris Faulkner if she makes Kool-Aid. Just randomly out of the Who, blue. Harris Faulkner, who's a black correspondent. And then also talking about how we are procreating with more species and ethnics 
quote unquote. Yeah, that's right. Why didn't I pull those clips? I'm a failure. That's why. But just know that this is who Andrew Napolitano is talking to. Right. This is Brian Kilmeade, who's one of the hosts of goddamn Fox and Friends, who is co-hosted by... What about the majority? Because I'm tired of protecting the minority. Because any chance I get to play that, I'm going to fucking play it. So here it is. And he went a weird direction talking about how the British government was apparently directed by President Obama, because, you know, the president of the United States, he can boss around foreign intelligence gathering agencies to do his bidding. Meanwhile, the White House faced with yesterday's deadline to show proof Trump Tower was wiretapped ahead of the election. Now explaining what the president really meant by his explosive claims, here's Sean Spicer. He doesn't really think that President Obama went up and tapped his phone personally. I think, but, but I think there's, a, there's no question that the Obama administration, that there were actions about surveillance. The president used the word wiretap in quotes to mean broadly surveillance and other activities. Judge Napolitano says even if the president, uh, former president Barack Obama's uh, White House did spy on this president, there may never be a way to prove it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Here to explain, Fox News judicial analyst Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, what do you mean he can't prove it? I thought, thought he could prove everything. We have all the American surveillance and technology at our fingertips. Okay, so the, the statutes authorize the president of the United States to order the surveillance of any person in the United States of America without suspicion, without probable cause, and without a warrant, meaning he doesn't have to go to yeah. a court to do it. So he can order the NSA, which already has the digital version of our phone calls, to, to transcribe the digital version into a transcript and give it to him. But if he does that, there's a record of the order. Right. So three intelligence sources have informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA, he didn't use the CIA, he didn't use the FBI, and he didn't use the Department of Justice. He used GCHQ. What the heck is GCHQ? That's the initials for the British spying agency. They have 24-7 access to the NSA database. So by simply having two people go to them saying, President Obama needs transcripts of conversations involving candidate Trump, conversations involving President-elect Trump, he's able to get it. And there's no American fingerprints on this. So you're saying that the British used their version of the CIA to wiretap Donald Trump's uh, phone or well, power? Well, it's, it's, it's not a wiretap. The concept of plugging a wire into, into a phone box in the basement of a building is what the law was when these statutes were written in 1978. Everything is done electronically now via computer. The NSA has 24-7, 365 access to every mainframe computer of every telecom and every computer service provider that does business in the United wow. States. And they share that with various intelligence agencies, including the Brits. So the British intelligence agency had this. What I'm happened to the guy who ordered this? resigned Incredible. three days after Donald Trump was inaugurated. So Trump might be right, except for the fact who did it. Uh, unbelievable. That, according to your sources. Judge, great job. All the best, Brian. Uh, come on. <sighs> Seriously. <laughs> just, just breathe. So breathe anyway, out. it's one thing when this ding-dong goes on the air on Fox News and says this ridiculous shit that is uncorroborated and also not sourced at all. He also, in the thing, said, Fox News has learned a blah, 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 
Well, that's that's not the case. It was him who had learned it, quote unquote. Well, the next day, Sean Spicer, <laughs> fucking Sean Spicy Spicer, he got up during a briefing and talked about Judge Napolitano having said this. Last on Fox News on March 14th, Judge Andrew Napolitano made the following statement, quote, three intelligence sources have informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA. He didn't use the CIA. He didn't use the FBI. And he didn't use the Department of Justice. He used GCHQ. What is that? It's the initials for the British Intelligence Spying Agency. Uh, So simply by having two people saying to them, President needs transcripts, of conversations involving candidate Trump's conversations involving President-elect Trump, he's able to get it, and there's no American, uh, American fingerprints on this. Putting the published counts and common sense together, this leads to a lot. Your long list of, uh, sort of you know, news reports, you mentioned one that uh, is an accusation that perhaps GCHQ was involved. Did the president ever raise this with his conversation with Theresa May? Um, and would, if this, if that were to pan out, would that in, uh, imperil the special relationship between I, the I, Again, these are just, uh, that, that happened, I think, two days ago. Um, it was something that was, uh, you know, reported on air. And I think the point is, is that there's been, a, I, no, no, it has not been raised. Uh, but I do think that, again, we're not, I, I'm just, all we're doing is literally reading off what other stations and people have reported. And I think that casts into concern uh, some of the activities that may have occurred during the 16 election. We're not casting judgment on that. I think the idea is to say that if these organizations, these individuals mm-hmm. came to these conclusions, they, are merit, they merit looking into this, let me say, look, I don't have a lot of respect for Sean Spicer. I don't think he's a bad man in his heart. I think he is sold out. He, it's his dream to work for a president, and that's where he finds himself now. And now he's in too deep. <laughs> but this is exactly the kind of statement that would have been directed di- by Donald Trump directly. Go out and say this. I was watching Fox News last night, and he, I watched Judge Napolitano say this. You got to fit that into the briefing. Yeah. And Charles Spicer knows he can't just, oh, well, we're learning that blah, 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 because they're not learning that because no one fucking said that. And he dispatches him out to all he did was just quote it. Yeah. Which is (laughs) fucking ridiculous. So then the (laughs) next day, Uh. Donald Trump is meeting with with Angela Merkel, Mm -hmm. Chancellor, Germany. The true leader of the free world at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets questioned by a German reporter during the very brief press conference. And this is how it went. Rejected White House claims that the alleged um, wiretapping on, on you, on, on the Trump Tower, on Trump Organization, or on members of your campaign was uh, that British uh, intelligence was either responsible for it or involved in it um, after these claims are rejected. What is your take on that? Uh, are there other suspects or um, do you think it was, uh, it was a mistake to blame British intelligence for this? And by the way, my second question, are there from tri- time to time uh, tweets that you regret in hindsight? Very you, seldom. Very seldom. Very and seldom. you would have, so you never v- would have very wished seldom. not to have. Probably uh, wouldn't something. be here right now, but so very seldom. We have a tremendous group of people that listen, and I can get around the media when the media doesn't tell the truth, so I like that. Uh, as far as uh, wiretapping, I guess, by, you know, this past administration, at least we have something in common, perhaps. 
And so I, I'm going to pause it there, but go ahead. That little laugh track. That's that what I want to talk about. Is Ivanka, Jared Kushner, yes. Mike Pence, Rents Priebus, Steve Bannon. So he has his little band of buddies there with him. Right. When the Trump administration talks about this, that moment where everybody laughs, they say that the reporters laughed. That is not true. It is clearly not the reporters. It sounds like people who are off in the far yeah. corner. It is White House staff who are laughing loudly at his joke to make it seem like the crowd was fucking cutting it up. Oh, my God. Oh, that's the greatest joke in the world. Right, right. And this happened several times, and it's embarrassing. You're because not the joker-in-chief, you fucking prick. No, and this isn't a reality TV show. We're not here to be entertained. This isn't a dog right. and pony show. You're working. This is serious. You're, You're running the next country. to a serious woman. Yes. She's a PhD in goddamn chemistry. She actually is a, an intelligent person who thinks about things with nuance and intelligence, with a level head. She's not blaming foreign entities for taking their marching orders from the President of the United States to bug him, to wiretap him. Let's let him continue for 25 seconds. I, I don't know why. Just to finish your question, uh, we said nothing. All we did was quote a certain uh, very talented legal mind who was the one responsible for saying that on television. I didn't make an opinion on it. That was a statement made by a very talented lawyer on Fox. And so you shouldn't be talking to me. You should be talking to Fox. Who was it? Harry Truman that said the buck stops here. I'm the man. If there's blame to be had, it's right here. Because I'm president of the United States. Yeah, Donald Trump seems like that kind of guy. He's like, oh, don't don't talk to me. Go talk to Fox News. We were just reading a transcript of what someone said in an official capacity from the fucking press room of the White House. Well, remember, during the campaign, he would be asked questions similar to this. And he would say, well, I read it somewhere on the Internet. Right. So <laughs> what do we expect, really? Yeah, that's right. No, when that's that, exactly right. He believes that answer was sufficient. We elected that. Yeah, so when they're saying, you know, do you regret any of your tweets? And he says, no, Twitter's why I'm here, right? Yeah, God he, damn. He feels... You're em- bumming me out, Brittany. <laughs> he feels emboldened to continue behaving the way that he did because he got to the position he's in now by behaving that way. Right. So now... He was rewarded. Now we're learning... That Judge Napolitano, his source, his super secret source for this British uh, conspiracy was Russian state media. Yeah. He's getting his information from Russian state news. Good old RT. RT. Which means to me that Fox News... I mean, seriously, how much more evidence do we need, folks? Fox News is the new state-run media of the United States of America. Fox News is the new RT. Fox News is the new Al Jazeera, which is owned by the Qatarese government. Come on. This is an outrage that this is allowed to happen. 
And every every serious member of Congress right now, including guys like Devin Nunez, are are facepalming themselves. Like, what in the fuck is going on? Even morons think Donald Trump is a moron. Uh, again, <laughs> exasperated. Sorry. Anyway, that's that. Let's get on to this. We got to cover this fucking too quick. God damn. With these long shows. Well, a lot of things are happening. All right. Sorry, but we're going to we're going to finish this. Yeah. Not sorry. I mean, some of you are probably happy. Some of you are probably like, God damn it. We're going to talk about Obamacare. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, just came out and they scored the effects that the, the repealing Obamacare would have over the course of the next decade or so. And it's not good. And the White House is working real hard to undermine those results of their analysis. Less than 24 hours after an independent analysis dealt a punishing blow to the Republican plan to replace Obamacare, the White House is trying to resurrect it. This is it. If we don't get this through, the goal of repealing Obamacare and instituting a system that will be patient-centered is going to be unbelievably difficult. The strategy, in part, mocking the report itself. Good morning from Washington, where, as you can see, according to the Congressional Budget Office, it's sunny in 74. Outside. The sun is, well... That nonpartisan estimate that says 14 million more people would be uninsured next year undermines President Trump's recent promise of insurance for everybody. I think the president's goal is to provide insurance, to make insurance available to everybody. Yes, that's what he intends to do. The White House says the bill is the first in a three-part process. Democrats say it only helps the rich, and even some Republicans are skeptical. Why House members would want to vote for this bill and pay the political price for voting for this bill if it is doomed to failure in the Senate. Tonight, the fight over health care is also raising new questions about the relationship between House Speaker Paul Ryan and the president, punctuated by this recording just released by Breitbart. I am not going to defend Donald Trump. Not now, not in the future. That purportedly Ryan's response to candidate Trump's Access Hollywood scandal last fall. But the timing of the release could deepen any divide. Breitbart, formerly run by Trump advisor Steve Bannon, is taking aim at the health care plan, dubbing it Ryan Care. Republicans have built this up as such a big deal. They've made it too big to fail. The problem they have is when something's thought of as too big to fail and it's in danger of failing, you've got a problem. So what they're doing, the Republicans here, and listen, I was no fan of Obamacare. I think there's a lot of things to criticize about it, but it's a system we have now. And the Republicans are being very, very, one, disingenuous, but also irresponsible to repeal and then replace mm -hmm. rather than just repair. Just fucking repair Obamacare and call it something different. If you want to put tr slap Trump's fucking golden name on it after you've repaired it and made it something great, then do that. I think the optics on that would be far better. But what they're going to do is yank it out from people, and it's going to have dire consequences, real-world consequences for real Americans. Here's Chris Wallace on Fox News. And like I've said in the past, on matters like this that are so partisan, I like to go to Fox News because if they're grilling about it, you know that it's it's not, you know it's legit. Mm -hmm. The criticisms that Fox News is going to have of this particular administration 
because they're in bed together, they're going to be legitimate. This is Chris Wallace with, with, with Paul Ryan. And he, he chews him up and spits him right the fuck out. Office, I don't have to tell you, came out this week with a pretty dramatic uh, forecast. And they said that 24 million fewer Americans will have health insurance in 10 years under your plan. You said that part of that is that this is what freedom looks like. Here you are. This isn't a government mandate. This is not the government makes you buy what we say you should buy, and therefore the government thinks you're all going to buy it. But, sir, is, is the major decrease in the number of people, according to the CBO, who will have health insurance, is it freedom or is it that some people will no longer be able to afford health insurance under your plan? I want to show a specific case that the CBO put up. Look at these numbers. In 10 years, the CBO said a 64-year-old with an income of $26,500 will pay $1,700 out of pocket under Obamacare for health insurance. Under your plan, the CBO says, that same person will have to pay $14,600 because insurance companies can charge more and the tax credit that you're going to offer is smaller than the subsidy that Obamacare will offer. So, so what they're saying is this isn't freedom. This isn't people voluntarily deciding not to have health insurance. It's that your plan makes it unaffordable for people. So uh, there's three things I would say. Number one, what they basically say is people, uh, Obamacare is not going to last. There's no way Obamacare could stick another two or three years, let alone 10 years. And so they're comparing an Obamacare plan that's mythical, that won't exist in 10 years. Then they're saying, well, let me stop it there. That's exactly my point, Speaker Ryan. If it's going to fail, then repair it. Take what's good from it. Right. And, well, and and shore it up. Yeah. If it's a leaky fucking boat, patch the goddamn leaks. Well, the thing that really stands out for me in that response is that it wasn't a response to what Chris Wallace asked. Oh, no. So he said, listen, they're saying that, that this is not going to be affordable. So what would you say to that? And he says, well, Obamacare is going to fail. Okay, but you were you're being asked a question about your proposal. They're saying exactly. your proposal will not be affordable for people. What is your response to that? And it's more criticism of Obamacare. Okay, right. but your solution is what we're trying to talk about here. He needs to quit jingling keys and finish what he's saying. If, if people are going to buy what Obamacare is going to make them buy, uh, then they won't be able to afford it. Here's the point. We believe that we do need to add some additional assistance to people in those older cohorts. But the, the apples to oranges comparison that's happening here is we're not going to make people buy something that's so expensive that they can't afford that the market's not going to offer. So what was said earlier is that this is what freedom looks like. Tell that to the millions of elderly Americans who are pro probably presently still in the workforce, that this is what freedom looks like, that someone who makes 60 or $26,500 a year will have to spend 14600 of it and have only less than $12,000 to live on for, for the year. When healthcare, when you're elderly, is critical. It's not just important because, oh, you got to have healthcare. It's important because you're going to fucking die if you don't have it. Mm -hmm. That's when things start breaking, when you're elderly. Right. As opposed to the plan, the Obamacare plan, when they would spend 1700 
$700 versus almost $15,000. Almost 10 times as expensive. And this is the plan that they try to explain by saying, eh, that's what freedom looks like, America. But not me. I'm in Congress. My health care is paid for. Let me tell you, audience, when I worked on Capitol Hill, when I worked for the Senate for those few years, I had amazing health benefits. Fucking amazing. Virtually free. Unbelievable coverage that I've never had since. Right. Top notch. Pick my own doc. It was better than when I was in the Marine Corps, and that was free. Fucking mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, this is just disingenuous. So we're, we're gonna end. We're not gonna end right this second. I'm gonna play a, 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 about a five minute clip from Vox that does an amazing job of this GOP version of Obamacare and kind of explaining it. So if you if you haven't heard and you're curious about what it is, listen to this clip. And after the clip, we'll wrap up. The wait is over. Republicans finally have a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. I am holding it in my hand. It is a real bill, and it is stranger than I expected it to be. There is a lot more of Obamacare left in this bill than I think anybody expected. There are differences, of course. We'll get into those. But there's a lot of popular parts of Obamacare Republicans now keep. They are definitely working in an Obamacare world. Can continue on your parents' insurance until 26. That's still in there. Requiring insurers to cover pre-existing conditions. Check. Still in there. Preventing insurers from setting lifetime limits. Check. Still in there. Tax credits so people can afford health care. Check. Still in there. Covering the people on Medicaid today. It is in there. Now, I don't want to overstate this. There's a lot in the bill that changes. Huge, huge tax cuts for rich people, for one thing. The tax subsidies, the the way we help people afford insurance, that's going to be based on age, not income, and it's going to be a lot leaner. The Medicaid expansion that covers more than 10 million people now, if you read this, it stops adding new people in 2020. These details, they will change as the Senate and House argue over the bill. But for this plan to work at all, one thing Republicans have to figure out is how to bring healthy people into the system. And, And here's why. If you think of a group of people on a continuum, from the healthiest to the sickest, the sickest people, they use the most health care, so they're the most expensive to insure. That's why to get a good mix of people, to get premiums down on average, you need a lot of healthy people signing up for insurance. They use less health care, so they pull premiums down for everyone. This is the core question of insurance markets, how to have enough healthy people to balance out your sick people. The reason this is difficult is that healthy people, they don't need insurance as badly. So when more sick people come on board and the prices come up, it is the healthy people who leave. Without them, the insurance gets even more expensive, which drives out the next group of healthy people, and so on and so on, until insurance is completely unaffordable. The way Obamacare tries to fix that problem is the individual mandate. Everyone has to either have insurance or they pay a small fine. The Republican plan replaces the individual mandate with a provision saying, if you get sick and you need to rejoin the insurance pool, insurance companies can charge you a 30% premium. That's not going to work. Already, Obamacare's individual mandate is too weak to pull in as many healthy people as the law needed. That's why premiums have been rising in a lot of markets. This, this is weaker. It could lead to death spirals in a bunch of markets as healthy people flee and sick people are all that remain. And make no mistake, if they pass this bill, Republicans will own these death spirals. But but that's just one problem in here. Look, hypocrisy is a minor sin in politics. People are hypocritical all the time. But it is remarkable how much hypocrisy there is to be found in this legislation. Remember when Mitch McConnell said this? There are 25 million Americans who aren't covered now. 
If the idea behind Obamacare was to get everyone covered, that's one of the many failures. In addition to premiums going up, co-payments uh, going up, deductibles going up. So after years of Republicans complaining that co-pays and deductibles are too high in Obamacare and not enough people can afford insurance, this plan, the Republican plan, it lets insurers offer coverage with higher co-pays, higher deductibles, makes it harder for people to have it, to actually use it. And then not only do they make that insurance harder to use, they make it harder to afford in the first place, particularly for the poor. Under Obamacare, the government gives subsidies to poor people to help pay their premiums. The Republican plan, it replaces these subsidies with tax breaks based on age, not income. And without the income-based subsidies, a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford insurance. The, the credit rating agency Standard & Poor projects between 6 and 10 million people will lose their insurance under this bill. A lot more would suddenly find the coverage they can afford has huge deductibles and doesn't actually cover that much that can go wrong. The, the biggest problem this bill has, the more I read it, is that it's not clear why it exists, what it's trying to achieve, what it makes better. In reality, what I think we're seeing here is Republicans have lost sight of what they were trying to achieve in the first place. They are trying so desperately to come up with something that will allow them to say they've repealed and replaced Obamacare, that they've let repeal and replace become not just a political slogan, but a goal. This, this is Obamacare light. It's a worse version of Obamacare. And it's a lot of political pain to endure for a bill that won't just fail to improve many people's lives, but will badly hurt millions. Republicans need to really look at this and ask, what are they trying to achieve here? What is the point of all this? So that was a great final point, I think, that he made. Yeah. That they're just trying to push anything through that will give the appearance as though they've repealed and replaced Obamacare because <laughs> the 37% of people that are still approving of Donald Trump, they aren't going to look into this right right they'll just repeat the talking point yeah which is well no they did this he said he would do it he did it are they really going to look into the effects well a lot of these people are like daria was talking about in the voicemail at the top of the show a lot of people are gonna they're gonna find out without having to look into it because they're gonna lose their insurance they're gonna lose their health insurance and it's going to be insanely expensive to buy a, a policy with Trump care, which is what we're calling it. We are calling it Trump care because he doesn't want it called that. He doesn't want his name on this. The White House was floated that they want it called Ryan care. I think probably in the eventuality that it's going to fail. So this, I think, could be the death knell of the Donald Trump administration, at least as far as electability or reelectability is concerned, because he's going to fuck over tens of millions of Americans here. It's not going to be pretty. So listen, long show. We love you. We appreciate you. I hesitate to say sorry because, you know, it's more time with me, everybody. And Brittany. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, sir? All right. Well, go check out the bonus episode. Listen, if you'd like to support the show, if you're on the fence about supporting the show, come on board. The water is warm. Join the family, our Patreon PayPal family. You can check that out by going to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. Support the show. Or just check out the show notes. I always give the whole spiel about the, the goddamn website, and it's, uh, it's right in the show notes. All the links. 
So we love you. We appreciate you guys. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. I'm a real good actress. No, no, you're not. Very good at acting. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.